You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. Have you heard this word culture? Have you heard this word teamwork? Have you heard about taking care of your team? Well, we've all heard about it. But does it really impact the PL? Today, I bring on a new friend of mine, Eric Hubbard from Pain Free Dental Marketing. And he's like, that's my favorite subject to talk about. And we talk about does culture really impact your PL? You have to listen to this, it'll prompt some thinking for you. I hope you enjoy it, and we'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. Have you heard this buzzword called culture, 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 core values, take care of your team? Do you really care about your team? And would you really like to know if it impacts your PL? Well, today we're going to tell you exactly how it impacts your PL and why it's so important, why it's not such a buzzword with my new friend, Eric Hubbard from Pain Free Dental Marketing. Eric, thanks for being on, brother. I appreciate you. Oh, gosh, Kirk. Thanks for having me. It's such an honor. I enjoyed spending time up there. And, uh, you know, the as you talk to the dentist, it really resonated to me. And like you said, culture is certainly the most buzzword topic in business, but the implications it has to P&L are massive. And we get to look at the P&Ls of around 120 offices and across them, I can tell you the ones that have legitimate culture and purposeful about it consistently perform better. Amen. We're going to talk about exactly that, but here's yep. the thing I want you guys to know as listeners. This is a marketing guy. The, the owner of one of the best dental marketing companies is going to be talking about culture. Why wouldn't he be talking about clicks and new patient conversion and phone call acquisition costs and all that kind of stuff? So, Eric, I, you and I, in full disclosure, we got to meet each other through a mutual mm -hmm. friend, Dr. Brent Cornelius. Thank you, Brent, yep. for the introduction. And Brent said the same thing to both of us. And this is just how your everybody's world works. You got to meet this person. And so you were up here at the uh, Act Dental training facility for one of our recent events. And you and I, I'm just like this, uh, you're, you're speaking my jam. You're speaking my jam. But I, I, I really enjoy hanging out with you, but I want our listeners to know who they're listening to. So who's Eric Hubbard? What do you do? 
Yeah. So my name is Eric Hubbard. Thank you. Uh, and I had the fortune of starting this marketing company around 2014. And Kirk, it was just divine intervention, if you will. Uh, there was a, a wonderful human being by the name of John Barroso that was just a great human being and did wonderful things for my mom when I was younger. And as he got into dentistry and as he got into, you know, from 2001 when he helped my mom to 2014, he just the challenges that we all face in life, burnout, some, some dissatisfaction with things. And he, he let technology sort of pass him by and he was in a place that needed help. And, and we decided to help him. And at the time, Kirk, it was complete side gig. We, we just run it on the side, my friend Andre and I. And as we got into it, we fell in love with the dental industry and we were able to bring him patients. We were able to improve his quality of life. You know, he had five or six different vendors. And so, so we decided to build an agency that was built around taking care of our clients just like it was our practice. And how do we simplify their lives and let them practice on dentistry and make sure that from their website to their social media to the way they talk to patients internally on the phones, we were going to help encapsulate that into an agency. And Pain-Free Dental Marketing was born. Uh, we work exclusively with dentists and we really come in as a fractional chief marketing officer. And we try to engage at the strategy level with the doctor as well as the tactical, how they answer the phones. Yeah. And then, you know, we handle all the other uh, aspects around marketing as well. I love it. So you have a chance to work with a lot of great offices, dental offices, trying to improve their marketing condition. But let's talk about the why. Like you and I, when we were chatting about what's important, you know, we could chat for a long time about culture and people. And you actually said, you got to read this book. And I mm -hmm. ordered it the second you told me to get it. And we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, why is this a hot topic in dentistry? I, I think that we're seeing the commoditization of dentistry and, and, and with the rise of DSOs and corporate efforts, you know, corporate dentistry wants the commoditization. They, they don't want you looking for a specific dentist. They want you looking for uh, a crown. They want you looking for you know, they don't want you to get tied to a hygienist that that because you know the turnover is so high, the doctors are going to turn over. And through there, there's a wonderful opportunity in the private practice realm of how to differentiate yourself from that and uncommoditize yourself from insurance, who also wants a commodity uh, in corporate dentistry. To me, you know, I think everything is about marketing. Of course, I'm in marketing, but I think the why is. I personally want to improve the quality of life of good people. And I want those people to be in my circle. And I think the number one way to do that is you have to differentiate yourself from corporate industry. You have to differentiate yourself from the, 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 what insurance wants you to be. And you have to do that by telling your story. Yeah. And the base way to tell your story is being authentic. And if, if you're authentic and, and that, you know, culture is only a, overhyped by the word authentic right now, but I, it is my belief that a dentist who knows who they are and, and wants their team to do well and wants their patients to do well and constantly pushes that agenda, they are, they, they will be the, the success story in our economy. I totally agree. And I learned the hard way, you know, 
um, of trying everything under the sun. Now, I've always cared about people, mm-hmm. but really when you, as a business owner, put your flag in the ground and go, no, 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 this is the essence of everything we do. I can only back you up that culture really does impact your PNL because here's the bottom line. If you're a dentist listening, number one, you got to enjoy, enjoy going to work. That's the first box that's got to mm-hmm. be checked. And 90% of it is who is around you all day. Think about this. We spend 30% of our lives that we breathe on this planet at a place called work. Wouldn't you want to enjoy going to work? Number two, everything you do is marketing. Now, the advertising is like your ads and your all that mm-hmm. stuff, blah, 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 blah. I think everything you do, how you talk to people, how you care for people, how people feel, like that's all marketing, don't you think? It, it, it most certainly is. And patients pick up way more in an office than we would give them credit for. The the way you talk to your chair side, the way the handoff between the hygienist and the doctor takes place, the the way they walk back to 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 pay their bill, the way treatment is presented to them. We have such a wonderful opportunity in dentistry in that your average consumer doesn't really understand a clinically amazing dentist from a clinically average dentist. Right. We, we don't, we lack the, the concepts of, we, we only know how they made this feel. And, and with that in mind, when you, when we see patients leave an office excited, uh, we often see a, you know, a clinically average dentist do amazingly well because his staff or her staff care so much about the patients and they care so much about the patients. And it's, it's one thing to say, I treat my patients like family. Sure, you have to treat your patients right. That's table stakes. But I'm talking about really caring about the human being and standing for something. Yeah. And I, I think that's the difference of I treat everyone like family, which is you know, what most offices say. I think that's just table stakes to be successful, yeah. to have a business. I think to be great, you have to have your core values talk about them all the time. And I think they, they, they absolutely have to be every person in your office ha- is a reflection of that office and they need to, they need to represent them. Yeah, I totally agree. Now you're going to have to piggyback on what that, what core values are, because once I found out what they are, really are their verbs, you know, their, their behaviors, and you, you have to transition from feelings and aspirations to like, these are, these are legit. Give us a, give us an explanation of like why core values matter in culture. Bridge that gap. For me, they matter. And I think it builds on what I said about treat everyone like family. Well, what Mm -hmm. does that mean? Right. You know, it's such a, it's such a difficult thing to describe and, and it probably means something different to everyone. But if I said, um, you know, uh, one of our core values is we want to surprise and delight clients. And to me, that's, that's important. And, and there's a, a description around it, around, we think client, you know, we want clients to view us as professional marketers, but that's just the game. We want to surprise and delight them by, if we know there's a competitor opening up down the street, we want to go secret shop them and see how they're doing. We want to call around and see perhaps how other offices, how far they're scheduling out hygiene appointments. And when you start articulating what surprise and delight means to us or, or you know, the 
the whatever you know core value you want to talk about it starts to change the behavior and it takes it from this nebulous concept to this ironclad concrete event and that is now the bar if you want to be in our company is you need to be a professional marketer but you also want to surprise and delight your clients yeah and and it, it gives us the ability to uh, talk about it in a way that's not nebulous and is, is just concrete. And to me, that's what I like about having the core values written down and, and, and published and everyone knows what they are. Yeah, I agree. I think you should put them on t-shirts, cups, you know, sweatshirts, put them on your website, because you're kind of putting it out there. Now, a couple of things are going to happen. Your entire company or practice is going to start moving towards that. You're going to start to mm -hmm, tell mm -hmm. stories. You're going to have team members stop you in the hallway and go, I don't even know what this means. Can you explain this? And then they're also going to call you on it when you're not abiding by the core values. It is a very important pivot for every business owner. And then once you start to do it, here's the real thing, Eric. I want you to go into this. Like once you start to lean into it, You've seen dentists do this, where they actually start to pick up what you're putting down. Like, and then they start doing it. How does it really impact the PNL? I have a couple thoughts, but like, I want to know from your perspective, like, how does it really impact the PNL? I think the first is an easy one. I think you're going to have once you get your team right, and, and you use the phrase "right people, right seed." I I like that. Once you find your tribe, as we say it. Your employee turnover is going to be exceedingly low. Yes. And, and the retraining around it, um, your engagement of employees is going to be significantly higher. You're going to have fewer instances of burnout. Um, they're going to ride with you through the difficult times of a complex scheduling event or whatever it may be. I think on the first side, it just, just the, the, the first PL implication I'll say is just the, around training. And I, I'm not humble when I say that across our, the lifetime of our agency, there is one employee that was an undesirable loss. We've had one employee quit since 2014. Now we've, we've had other people leave and, and, and asked to leave for cultural reasons, but there's one employee that I'm like, man, I, that one got away. And to me, that is the, the number that I'm probably most not even going to humble brag about. I, I'm going to brag it. And, and, you know, to me, employee engagement, employee turnover is the first P&L implication. Yeah. The second to me is the referrals. Uh, when Andre and I left your shop, uh, and, and how Chris talked about you and how Gina spoke about you when you weren't in the room, by the way. I, I made the comment to Andre, I was like, that plays oozes culture. And I said, I, I enjoyed it so much. Patients are going to be more excited to refer their friends and family to an office that cares about their employees, that stands for something, and that they know is going to be taken care of. And And I have a I have a very unpopular opinion on referral programs. I I would never pay anyone or give anyone anything ref, for referring me something. I can do something nice for them on my at, at my discretion after they refer me some patients. But I want when I refer someone to a product, I want them taken care of because that is my word. 
you know, I'm telling them who's in my tribe. Right. And I think the second way is patient referrals. I think patient referrals climb and any practice that's not getting 55 to 60% of its new patients via referrals, there's no way around it. You have a culture problem. And, and it's, it's going to be a difficult conversation, but you do. Yeah. You know, there we are. Uh, I think the third way is patients are going to accept treatment more consistently. And the offices that we have that talk about culture that stand for something and, and maybe, you know, we're the office that's going to run on time. We're the office that gives back. There's so many ways. They legitimately have higher treatment presentation success, fewer instances of, you know, um, oh, the people in my area, just if they're in tooth pain, they just want to get pulled. I understand. Everyone says that, by the way, the, the, from, you know, Dallas to Milwaukee, everyone says that. Taking time, getting to know them as human being, building that trust. I, I think those are the three ways that culture drives real PL impact. I completely agree. And I think um, ultimately the byproduct or the product or your goal in the future, if you're a any kind of a business is going to be trust. I mean, trust is mm-hmm. the currency. It's the, it's the currency in your relationship at home. It's the currency in your relationships at work. It's the currency for your relationships in, you know, if you're a dentist, it's patience. And so, and I always say this, like, I don't care what people say. If I'm in a dental practice, I can listen to them. And that sounds great. The eyes tell me everything. Your lips mm-hmm. could be moving, but your eyes tell me everything. And I can take any, this is terrible, but I can, I can take any dental assistant out of, out of a seminar and talk to them in the hallway. And I can ask them three questions about the dentist. And I won't even look at what they're saying. Like, how <laughs> I'm going to ask them about the dentist and their eyes will tell me everything if they really enjoy. Now that's one piece of it. And I think if you can get your brain around that, that starts you in the right direction. The other thing we got to remember is you know, we're in a world of bad advice. And let me explain, like patients come first. I think that's the worst advice anyone's ever given ever, ever, ever. Now I get the sentiment. It's an important sentiment. Patients should feel first, but they should never come first. And that's why team members, when you put your team first and your patients second, they can make your patients feel first in a way that you could never make them feel first, which is what we're talking about there. And then ultimately Eric, you know, all these micro events happen in what you're saying, like P&L implications, referrals, because let's face it, if you're a dentist, listen to this, when you get one team member that fits your value system and they're an amazing team member and you pair them with one other one, and let's say you have a team of seven, let's say you have one great one and you pair them with another great one. One plus one doesn't equal two anymore. One plus one equals 11 because they're doing a whole bunch of things. No, no matter how many team members you added, they couldn't replicate that. There's a I don't know. There's a duplication energy of having the right people around you. It changes your life, makes you feel better. Patients notice it, mm-hmm. you know, don't you think? I do. And I'll go one further. I love the one plus one is 11. I'll say to sort of build on that, in my opinion, where most offices begin to get culture wrong is they allow the talented jerk to survive. Mm. And that just, it just, it, 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 you only need one and it, it, you have to make sure that the team to every person represents the culture. And, you know, there's so many studies done on how detracting 
someone who doesn't fit your values is. And, and it just lowers the overall performance of the entire team. And they may be an amazing scheduling. They may be amazing at your AR. They, they could be so good at that thing, but they have to go if they don't fit your values. 100%. And I'm kind of sweating as you're saying that because nobody's screwed up more on that principle than me. Now, I'll just say this. <laughs> As you get older, you start to learn like what, what you, you, you gain this thing that Pete Dawson referred to as wisdom. It's collective. Mm-hmm. It's like reflective a little bit. And I used to think, oh, those people were a danger to me, but I was really the problem. Somebody's got to hold the behavior high. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know. It's like if I had 20, you know, fifth grade kids, I could either lead them to a championship and they'd all behave that way, or I'd let them run ruly. So I think the important thing is, is somebody's got to be the steward of the culture because you're going to have to, and if you're doing anything special, you're going to get talented people that mm-hmm. are going to push the envelope. And somebody's got to say, hey, listen, I understand that you're very talented, but this is how we behave. This is how we treat each other. And if you don't want to live that way here, that's okay. We got to say goodbye because nothing kills a great team member than when you tolerate a bad one. That's right. So now, Kirk, did you have your aha moment? What what, what was it? Where did you make the <laughs> hey? The you're the guest here. I'm not. So I feel like it's a therapy session. Why do you ask? So no, I I have I've had multiple, um, you know, watershed critical moments. I'm a slow learner, you know. So it's one of those things where when it keeps happening, it hurts. And mm-hmm. then you have to reflect, like, what really happened? And there's that's where you need a coach. I just, I feel like you're just, you're not smart enough to understand any of this sometimes when it happens. And mm-hmm. there are people that have come before you. So um, when that, I mean, hardest part was coming out of COVID. I lost three incredible team members in a row. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, for a lot of different reasons, it was extremely stressful Um, it was one of those moments where I just had to pause and I thought to myself, charting a new course, we got to pick the right direction and make sure that everybody that wants to be here really wants to be here. So it's important. I think everybody listening has these moments and Mm -hmm. they're important moments. Don't you think? I do. I'm similar to you. I've had my aha moments and they're embarrassing, uh, one of them, I was a young man and I led a team of software developers. I worked at Procter & Gamble and there was an older team member, probably my age at the time, and I, he reported to me and it was, I didn't know how to talk to him about performance. I, I was, it, it, he was so much more put together than I was as, you know, in business and I was a very young manager and I, he, it was intimidating to talk to him. I, I mean, legitimately. And I avoided it. I avoided, I avoided it. And I ended up writing a scathing, you know, end of year review. No preamble. And it's incredibly embarrassing for me to admit this, but it's true. And I rolled in wanting to fire him at the evaluation, never having any hard conversation. And, and uh, I did, I terminated him and it haunted me for so long because I was so embarrassed at the cowardice that I had shown and the lack of candor. And that was what I, I said, you know, I'm never going to do that again. Uh, um, and, and it was very challenging for me. Another one was I was developing products for a, a marketing tech company and 
I thought myself as this, you know, incredibly, of, of course, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, my wife would describe me as often in doubt, but uh, no, never in doubt, often wrong. And that, that was true even then. Um, and, and I thought that my work spoke for itself and, and I developed this great product and uh, I, the operations team just couldn't get their arms around it. They just, a whole section of the company just didn't value it. And I didn't understand. And the ego in me just pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And suddenly I'm on the outside looking in and, and, you know, my manager pulled me aside and said, you know, as great as you are, you're now a detriment to this company. And I had won employee of the year, the quarter before, or yeah, yeah, the quarter before. And now I'm literally being told that I'm the problem. And I didn't understand it. And I, I responded so poorly. I mean, I, I think I quit on the spot, embarrassingly enough. And I left and I went to the next place, Kirk, and I repeated the exact behavior. I, I did amazing. I did amazing until I, I got pulled in and said, you know, you are now the problem. Like, like you, you, you can't act this way. And it was just ego and a lot of arrogance. And, and those three points gave, you know, I'm so lucky that I got to start this company at 38 years old or 35 years old versus 25. Cause Oh my gosh, it, I got to carry those that, that into here. And, and I decided I'm not going to do it that way. Mm-hmm. But yes, I've definitely had my aha moments. Yeah. And so what do you say to the dentist who's listening, who's 32 or 33 and says, Eric, you don't understand my business. Margins are tight. I can't find great people. You're here talking about culture and how it's going to impact the PL. I mean, you, you don't really understand my practice. You've had that conversation with people oh, before, right? Every day. What do you mm-hmm. typically say? My answer is consistent and it's, while I appreciate your words, Mm -hmm. I do understand your practice and I understand that I think you're the problem. I think you need to look in the mirror and decide who you are, why you're doing this, who you want to be. I, I think anyone who runs a company needs a coach. I think you need, it is incredibly lonely. And and typically they're saying that because they're lonely. Mm -hmm. That's when I think in my belief, it's a look in the mirror, decide who you are, decide who you want to be, write it down and, and begin working toward that goal. Yeah. And and you're probably operating outside where you want to be. And, and is typically my answer is somewhere wrapped in there. It, the, the flavor of it changes, but it's, it's, you're the problem. Get a coach, look in the mirror. Because I, I think the further we are in action from who we want to be, I think it sort of begins to rend your soul and it makes you numb. It makes you, it, it, it it's demoralizing. It's frustrating. And any practice you look at that is struggling, you when you really dig in and you hear these terrible things of my staff are idiots, I've tried this coaching, I've tried marketing, I've, I, you know, you begin to hear these excuses and it's heartbreaking to hear them because you know they mean them. Right. They're not, they're, you know, it, it's coming from a place of hurt. And, you know, I, there's a quote 
I love it's, it's, you know, the people in my life who need the most love ask for it in the most unloving way. And I feel like in business, if you can apply that to business, that, that is true. The people who need the most help ask for it in the most difficult ways. Mm-hmm. And those are the people that they just need to bear hug who they are as individuals and, and really stick to that. And of course they have someone on their staff that doesn't meet it. And, and, and change is hard. I get it. But my answer is somewhere in there, Kirk. That was a very awfully long-winded answer. Man, that's okay. I'm totally picking up what you're putting down. And our whole goal with this podcast is just to offer mm-hmm. some help. And look, I get it. It's not the easiest thing in the world to run a business and deal with people. But once you start subscribing to a couple thoughts that are healthy, you can actually start to work your way out of it. You know, one of them is, is that people don't really leave dental practices. They don't. They leave people. Mm-hmm. You never, Mm -hmm. I've never met a team member who was like, I just hated it at that practice. No, I left it because there were people or there was a person I didn't believe in. The other thing is I hear this all the time too. And I say this lovingly or, you know, clearly, I mean, people say, well, there's nobody that wants to work. No, there's a lot of people that want to work. They just don't want to work for you. That's right. You have to change that narrative that you have not a USP, which is a unique sales proposition, but a unique UEP, a unique employment proposition, which you could actually speak with a lot of energy around how exciting it would be for you to be an employee here. And it's got to be authentic. There's that word again, where people want to do that. And I think ultimately when you fart, when you start to find that type of process, you start to learn a little bit more as a leader. And my number one job here is to keep the culture in the right place, you know, obviously to do vision, but I want to keep people happy and you know, committed around the right thing. Because when it starts to do that, you, you just weird things happen. People are committed above and beyond the job. They go the extra mile. They find a person that's like them. Um, they're quick to hold up the culture. And when somebody starts to infect the culture, they're like, okay, you got to do something about that person right there because they're not playing along. And you find it's just, it has unbelievable implications um, to your mental health, your financial health, your organizational health. And uh, I could go on forever, but like I heard, I, I'm going to totally beat this, this quote. Uh, but Warren Buffett always used to say, listen, I'm looking at the PL all the time and how healthy, but I'm looking, I only buy companies that are healthy, not just financially, but I mm-hmm. want companies to be healthy. They've got to have a healthy leadership team. They've got to have a healthy, healthy culture because those are sustainable long-term. So I think what you're saying is absolutely true. What are some other thoughts you have just on the whole culture impacting the PL? Yeah. The final one for me is I think, you know, it's my belief that dentists have to embrace that when you add production, when you add a, a, a ton of new patients, when you start rolling out implants, your take home is going to go up. As you add collections and production numbers, you know, you're 30% or 35%, wherever you're at, it, it, it improves. To your staff, it's just more work, oftentimes. And it just, I, I love the Warren Buffett quote. Similarly, I think you had to have the right financial payment model for them. I, I think that needs to be in alignment. But outside of that, I think a, a good culture makes them excited to grow because they know you're going to take care of them. They know that the rewards will come. And yes, I mean, it's not about money, but yes, everything's about money. Yes, of course, they're excited to grow their compensation as well. But 
even before that comes, they want to put the time in. They want to feel the schedule right. They want to start talking about new procedures you're doing. And to me, I really, I strongly believe that a good cultured office wants to grow and, and of course, be compensated. But I think they, 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 they're they willing to go through the growth first. And it is difficult to grow. Um, it, it is difficult to add an associate to the practice. It's difficult to to, to layer in procedures that you haven't done. It's and, and you know when they when you start bringing in specialists to your practice and how you schedule that on the Friday, you're not there. All of these things require change. And having your team excited about change and excited about the office growth, knowing that at some point they will be also taken care of, it it, it begins to change what you feel is possible and and. So many dentists I perceive to be working against their staff. And when you can change that paradigm and suddenly it feels like you're almost working for them and, and culture begins to pull you into change versus you having to push everyone into it. Amen, brother. Amen. Now, you and I are going to have some other conversations in future podcasts about details and marketing. But if people are listening right now and I want to find out more about what you do, I think what you guys do is a very cool concept in dental marketing. Like, Eric, tell people where they can find more about what you do and what is it that you do? Can you explain that? Yeah, absolutely. Please go to our site, painfreedentalmarketing.com. You can just Google painfree dental marketing or Eric and Andre. Um, and really, Kirk, our goal is to come in, find offices that support our values. Uh, we do not strive to be the biggest agency out there. Um, we want to work with people in our tribe, people who value their teams, people who want to make the world a better place. And we come in and handle all of the aspects of marketing from the website to social media, to how they answer the phones, to hygiene reappointment, to get, literally, if it's marketing, we want to have, you know, a, a, a say and help those practices do it better. So the doctors can focus on being a doctor. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So if you're listening to the podcast, and you're not taking notes. Here's the deal. We're taking notes for you. So you can flip up to the notes in Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you're consuming the podcast. You're going to see links to Eric and what he does. You could just click on them. It's going to take you right to the website. I encourage you to check it out. They're a very, very cool group of people. Eric, thank you for being on, brother. I really appreciate this. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Stick around while we say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for listening to the best practices show. It's no joke. When you get the right people, you have the right culture, everything gets better. Not just your life, not just your practice, not just your PL, everything. You actually enjoy going to work. So I encourage you to go down that path. It's a good one, and you'll be happy you did. So until we see you guys next time, or you hear from us next time, keep watching, keep listening to the best practices show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. 
So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.